Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Friday, July the 28th in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And what we deal with on Fridays are emails sent to us to which we can reply. However, I would like to make two announcements, first of all, uh, about what is happening in the future here. I have received an email from the Missouri District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I have been invited to give a lecture at the 2023 Professional Church Workers Conference held at Margardaville Lake Rosart, Lake Resort in Osage Beach, Missouri. And this will occur on October 10th to 13th. My topic is going to be on the 11th. And it's talking about defending hopeful discipline in the congregation. Professional church workers will receive in early August the opportunity to register So if you'd like to hear me on October the 11th, although there are many other items from the 10th through the 13th, maybe take some time to attend the Church Workers Conference presentation. Okay, second item. Recently, I was asked to do an article in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's journal from Concordia Historical Institute. And they are doing articles on the convention that was held in New Orleans, where the faculty majority was said to be teaching doctrine not compatible with Holy Scripture. It led to a walkout and other items. During that time, the delegates had received a book I had written called Watershed at the Rivergate. And you may receive a copy of that just by letting me know. Email me at tombaker at brick.net and I will give you the information how to receive a copy of Watershed at the Rivergate. The Rivergate was the complex where the convention was held in New Orleans, and it was really a watershed moment, for sure. All right, going on to emails, we have one from Robert. Hello, Pastor Baker. I have two questions for a possible Friday program. Is the cross law or gospel? I think it is law and gospel, depending if you are in Christ or not. How does God's word respond to the saying, love the sinner, hate the sin? What is God's view? What should our view be? Uh, Thank you for being on KFUO Radio. And so let's respond to Robert's questions. Uh, Number one, is the cross law or gospel? In one sense, Robert is correct that it can be both. 
it's law because what it does, it, well, shall we say, fulfills God's justice. What's his justice? His justice is that he had to take care of our sins. And he could have done it by us being good people and following whatever he wanted us to do. In other words, by obeying the commandments. If you take a look at every other religion in the world, that is how you are saved, by following some kind of rules or laws in that religion. Now, it appears that Christianity sounds like the same because there are commandments that God wants us to follow. But the Bible makes it very clear that everybody since the fall of Adam and Eve falls short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means that by our normal nature, it is impossible to obey the commandments the way God considers proper obedience. Because proper obedience is just not outwardly following the commandments. Like the Pharisees, we've never committed murder, but the Sermon on the Mount shows that yes, you have. If you've ever had a bad thought about someone or had a bad word against them. So the motivation is very important. And the Bible reveals that no sinner has the proper motivation in order to follow the commandments because he is an unbeliever. Unbelievers have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit and do not have faith. Therefore, they do not believe the promises of God. They don't believe how important was the cross of Jesus. And that's where the gospel comes in. The gospel is simply God's way of showing that our sins have been taken away. Like John the Baptist said about Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God, who has come to take away the sins of the world. And where did he take those sins? He took them to the cross. He paid the price that we should have paid. And what was that price that he paid? It's in the words from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, Jesus said that in the Aramaic. And a proper translation is, my God, my God, why have you left me alone? Jesus was not alone during his ministry on earth, even up to the Garden of Gethsemane. But when the cross came, he was all alone. Not only did God the Father leave him alone, but there was no angel to comfort him. And therefore, he alone paid the price of our sins. And that price 
was death. One can say that Jesus actually experienced hell on that cross because the Father had left him alone. And that's what happens to people who go to hell. They are left alone. Jesus, therefore, is our Redeemer. He paid the price so that you are never left alone as you have faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith is not something that you concoct on your own. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's promised in the means of grace. Now, what do we mean by the means of grace? We mean the way in which God brings people into his holy kingdom. Jesus has parables about that. Uh, the best one is the lost sheep. Jesus goes out. He finds the lost sheep. He puts the lost sheep on his shoulders. He carries the lost sheep back home where there is wonderful feasting at the rejoicing of finding a lost sheep. That's how salvation occurs to you. You don't find Jesus. He finds you. And he grants you faith. Why? To believe the promises of the Bible, which are really quite ridiculous. One promise from the cross, Father, forgive them. Now, you would think Jesus would say, if he was in another religion, Father, forgive them, for they're trying their best to follow your commandments. No, he doesn't say that. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. See, we fall short of the glory of God. We think that our good works, like the Pharisees thought, the unbelieving ones, that that is why they went to heaven. Remember, one Pharisee thanking God he wasn't like a tax collector. What were the two things he said he did that God should take into account to take him to heaven? He fasted and he gave a tithe. Those were ceremonial laws. They weren't even part of the laws of morality as found in the Ten Commandments. And yet, he crucified Jesus and did not think that that was an act of murder. So, the cross is law because it takes our sins and pays for them. The cross is gospel because it takes our sins and pays for them. Robert is very correct in that. His second question, how does God's word respond to the saying, love the sinner, hate the sin? Well, let's take an example. I have had conversations with individuals who follow a gay lifestyle. Why do I have conversations with them? 
because I'm war warning them about the dangers of following a lifestyle that is contrary to God's word, where it's very clear from Romans 1 that they will die. And Romans 1 isn't talking about just the death here on earth, but the eternal death in hell. So why are we talking? We hate the sin of homosexuality, but we love the sinner. How's that possible? Well, think of a parent who has a child. Many parents will stand by their children when they are arrested for a crime. They will attend court with them. They will be at their side. They will ask the judge for clemency and fairness because of their love for their child. Do they hate what the child did, whatever the crime was? Yes. But do they still love their child? Yes. Now, Roberts, in his question, is excellent when he says, what is God's view? That's what KFUO is all about, is sharing with you God's view. In most religions, like in Judaism at the time of Jesus, not only was there a hatred of sin, there was a hatred of the person. In fact, they were really angry when Jesus sat down and ate with tax collectors early in his ministry. That was after the calling of Matthew, a tax collector, to be one of his apostles. They just could not understand that. And they couldn't understand it because they could not understand God's view. And so Robert's question, what should our view be? Our view should be that of God's. But you don't know what is God's view. When you are born, you're born with original sin. And you only have your own view. Your own view about what's in it for me. Why should I do this? What do I get out of it? Do I look good in the eyes of others? Do I feel good about myself? All those motivations are not Christ-like. But when you have the Holy Spirit, you are doing many good works, which are called fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you may not even be aware of it, but your motivation is because of your love for Jesus Christ. What do I mean you may not be aware of it? Well, you may be helping somebody who is in a bad situation. And you don't think of, well, I'm going to help them because that's what Jesus wants me to do. No, it's just a spontaneous desire to help your neighbor. That's what the Holy Spirit puts in you. Our reading of the book of Proverbs on Wednesday shows what God's view is. And that should be our view also. And it is our view 
when we have faith in Jesus Christ. It's not a consistent view because we do continue to sin. And that's where God moves us to repent of our sin. And that is the work of God. And in that repentance, we hear the words of the forgiveness of sins. So the cross is definitely law because it takes care of our sins, but it's definitely gospel because it takes care of our sins. That's God's point of view. Another email that we received is uh, email from Michael Brown, and it's entitled, There is a problem if there is no hell. Now, he talks about that he often hears people talking about the problem of hell. And the way they do that, how could a good God send many people to an eternal hell? And Michael says, that is a fair question. And then he attempts to answer. Namely, he asks this question. What if there is no future punishment at all? What kind of problem would that present about God? Now, when you think about hell, it's really hard to understand a person's experience in hell because it's really hard to understand our experience in heaven. For example, we know that we will be in total bliss in heaven with no sickness, no death, no injury, no sufferings, no grief, etc. But the more I think about heaven, the less understanding I am about it. For example, when I was at the seminary, I took part in a ping pong tournament, and one time I won it. They even have my picture on the wall in the gymnasium for winning the ping pong tournament. And I was always upset playing ping pong if I lost a point. So I'm thinking about going to heaven. Would I be able to play ping pong there? Because every time you serve the ping pong, what if you lose a point? Are you going to be sad like I am on earth? Will I be in total bliss? That just doesn't make any sense. It's very hard for me to imagine how heaven is like. I know I will be in perfect bliss, but to put that in understandable terms is difficult. Even more difficult is to think about hell. There's no doubt that maybe some who are listening to the program don't even believe in God. And therefore, 
you don't believe in life after death. You are certainly welcome to understand that in your own way. But there are certain points that are important. Number one, there is one God and only one God. And he is our creator, that is the Father. He is our redeemer, that is the Son. And he is the one who guides guides us into good fruit. That's the Holy Spirit. Number two, there's no doubt that some things on earth are morally right and some things are morally wrong. And that the Bible says that those who are morally wrong with no repentance will pay for a punishment of eternal hell. The same Bible that tells us that God is love and that he extends his mercy also speaks of him as a judge who is doing proper justice. Uh, Genesis 18, verse 25. Uh, Psalm 89, verse 14, puts it all together in one verse saying, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. This is part of who God is. This is not an eternal conflict within him. These attributes all work hand in hand. Now, what would you think of an earthly judge who let a serial murderer go free with a wink and a nod? Wouldn't it be, would we not be absolutely outraged, especially if that murderer had killed someone we loved. How do we feel when we hear about religious leaders covering up sexual abuse cases, leaving the victims feeling guilty and unclean while the victimizers continue their work of sin? Where is the fairness in that? Human history to this moment is replete with examples of unimaginable cruelty and savagery, much of it going unrequited in this world. Be assured that it will not go unrequited in the world to come. Here's what Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 and 14 says. Now all has been heard. Here's a conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Now, what makes an evil sin good is God's 
forgiveness. If there is no repentance, then that is the task of the church to discipline those who are members of the church and are not repentant. The reality is that it's not just the Hitlers of this world who deserve judgment eternally, but it is also those who are unrepentant in their sins. That's why all of us, outside of God's grace, fail infinitely short of God's perfect standards. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, God has the Holy Spirit intervene for you when you repent of your sins and you are forgiven, which means you are not held accountable for your sins. The reality is that on Judgment Day, God will judge with perfect fairness and rightness. If we refuse his mercy in this world, we will receive exactly what we deserve in the world to come. And God knows how to calculate that with precision. You do not need to be worried about that because God has given you a promise as you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that your sins are forgiven. The reality is that the same God who will judge the guilty will extend mercy and grace to the contrite and repentant. He will comfort the mourner. He will lift up the downcast. He will get his record straight. So, yes, that's what it means if there is no hell. That means God does not have proper justice. But that justice includes the forgiveness of sins. That's the work of the church. That's why we hate the sin, but love the sinner. I'm Tom Baker. Join us Monday for additional law and gospel. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.